You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Not sure, did anybody see a couple of weeks ago? Guys, I'm excited tonight. I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you as we continue in our series, Come What May. Come What May. It's been, it's been an epic series already. And as we kind of continue down that path tonight, I want to speak a little bit about resilience. I want to speak about what it means to be resilient as a person, to be resilient as a body. I want to speak about what it means to cultivate the kind of, the kind of faith that can stand firm, that can like just hold fast. I'm visual, so I'm like, hold fast no matter what happens. Because contrary to what my four-year-old thinks, Life is not always unicorns and rainbows. Life is not always glitter and princesses and butterflies. It's just not, right? Like, no matter how positive, no matter how upbeat and, and, and optimistic I am, no matter, no matter how, quote-unquote, good we are, as my friend Forrest Gump likes to say, stuff, stuff happens, I don't know why you're laughing. I'm, I meant stuff happens. I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I think there is a truth to that, right? You see, I think people often want to know, like, why is it that the bad things happen to good people? And I think that's actually a really logical question. Until we remember, we're at war. We spend our lives at war. You see... In the book of Ephesians, let's, let's go with the Bible. Paul says it this way. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You see, we are at war. This is not like a dress rehearsal. We're just going through the motions. This is real life. This is what we're in. And you see, the bottom line is we are going to face obstacles, right? Storms are going to come our way. Challenges are going to rise. We live in a broken world. This, you all know this. And let's not also forget, the enemy is going to throw the kitchen sink at you with every single chance he gets. But our job is not to whine about it. Our job is to stand firm. Our job is to build this resilience deep in our faith so that we can make the enemy rue the day he came knocking on your door. That's your job. That's your job. And here's the good news. Here's the good news I want to share with you. As believers, you and I have been fully and perfectly equipped to win every spiritual battle every single one so we're going to jump into it here in a minute but before we do I want to start by probably recognizing the reality that I don't think any of us enjoy challenges is that fair okay so <laughs> I mean sure okay okay Benjamin Thomas okay so there are some some emerged men in the room that might love a good tug of war challenge am I right is that fair? But seriously, it's not like I leave my house in the morning just looking to find the next Goliath that's going to stand in my way, right? Like, I don't, I don't run around like a headless chicken just looking for difficulty. 
I don't do that. I, don't, I sure don't keep myself up at night thinking to myself, how can I make this more difficult? It's too easy. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it. We don't, like, I think we can all agree we don't like challenges, right? But they come our way. But you and I, you see, we are called to overcome. We are called to stand in victory. We are called to be more than conquerors. We are called to take dominion. You see, the reality is, whether we like it or not, we can talk about victory and taking territory and winning. But there's no victory without battle. There is no victory without battle. In fact, I would go further and I would say that the very idea that trials and troubles are a hazard to you and me as believers is actually in conflict with our God-ordained purpose of overcoming this world and advancing the kingdom of God. We are called to more. And so tonight, we're going to talk through a little bit about how we face challenges head on. We're going to talk about building an unflinching faith. I don't want some sissy faith in my life. I want a faith that just says, you know what? Come at me. Let's go. So we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to talk about how we advance, how we move forward, when, frankly, all the external circumstances maybe suggest that we should be in retreat. Church, we don't retreat. You with me? You guys good? All right. So you might, you might say, why is this important? And I'm going to tell you that it's pretty important because we all face challenges and we all need to know how to deal with them. And the title of my message tonight is The Placebo Effect. The Placebo Effect. Now, I'm sure there's probably medical professionals in the room, like my beautiful wife, who could probably explain this. My wife's really beautiful. If nobody claps, I'm going to... Um, Medical professionals, though, they could probably explain this better than I can, but here's the deal. A placebo is basically a pill in clinical trials, right, that is designed to have zero therapeutic value, right? It's, it's, it's a dud. It's, it's a fic. I mean, in theory, popping a couple of placebo pills is about as helpful to my headache as popping some peanut butter M&M's. I didn't even have to ask who wants peanut butter M&M's. All right, no fighting, no fighting. <laughs> you guys are amazing. So, so placebos are medically useless. And yet, studies have shown that they actually improve patient-reported outcomes, such as pain and nausea, right? Like, that's weird. The placebo effect is fundamentally a sham. Right? It's this therapeutic outcome derived from a completely inactive treatment. And it's all built, watch this, it's all built on the lie that the pill is helping you. Now you might say, Rich, why in the world are you banging on about the placebo effect? In fact, why in the world would you make that the title of your message? And I think that's a really good question. And here's the answer. Because any lie that you believe will affect you as if it's true. Any lie that you or I believe will affect us as if it's true. You see, you and I, we suffer from the placebo effect 
when we allow ourselves to be convinced that our current situation is our final destination. You and I, we suffer from the placebo effect when we buy into this lie that God's forsaken us, that God doesn't care, that God can't help, that God won't help, that we are never coming out of this valley that we are in, that there is no way we will reach the far side of the mountain that we're facing. When we buy those lies, we've bought the placebo effect. But how many of you know the enemy is a liar? He's a liar, church. He wants you believing that you're stuck. He wants you believing that, that God's abandoned you, that he's given up on you, that you're not worth it. It's a lie. The problem is that any lie you believe will affect you as if it's true. If I give you even just a really simple kind of example, if I believed, and I mean really believed, that Ruth no longer loved me, and let's go big, let's say I believed that she wanted to be with someone else. <laughs> Despite the fact, Despite the fact that it's, despite the fact that it's not true, it would tear me apart. To be honest with you guys, I would probably begin treating her differently if I actually believed it. I might even look at myself differently if I believed it. The lie would affect me as if it's true. And so tonight, we're going to tackle this thing head on. We're going to root out some of those lies so that we can work through how to build the resilience so that we can stand firm. Anybody else want to be able to stand firm? All right, let's jump in. So the first point I want to share with you tonight is that we have to know the heart. We have to know the heart. You see, it all starts with knowing the heart of God towards you and towards me. Even in the simple example that I just gave with Ruth, it becomes so much easier to stand firm in my marriage if I know that I know that I know the heart of my wife towards me. If I know deep down where I really live that she's for me, that she's on my side, it's a lot easier to stand firm. In fact, it's easier to press forward knowing that together we can overcome. Church, it's the same way in our relationship with God. It's the exact same way. When troubles come our way, it always starts with knowing the heart of the Father towards us and you might say, why? And the reason is simple, because to overcome, you and I are going to need faith. But here's the thing about faith. Our faith will only carry us as far as our awareness of God's heart towards us. You see, if I face adversity, it's going to be tough to deal with if I don't actually believe deep down that God is for me that he's on my side. My faith will only carry me as far. Psalm 27, David is reflecting on kind of troubles he's been through. And he puts it this way. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It all starts with knowing the heart of God towards you and towards me. All right, quick show of hands. We're going, to get, we're going to make this interactive. It's just us friends here. Who wants to know the heart of God towards them right now? Who wants to know what he really thinks 
All right, we're gonna we're gonna take a whirlwind tour for just a moment, see what we find. But listen, we're gonna roll really fast. Chewy, don't worry about the verses. I'll cover it. Are you guys with me? All right, buckle up. Here we go. Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Romans 8. For we know in all things, somebody say all. In all things, God is working for the good of those that love him. John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, not his first, not his second, not his third, his only son. That's my version. So that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Isaiah 41, fear not, for I am with you. I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Nahum 1, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in a day of trouble, and he knows those who trust him. Joshua 1, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Songs to his banner over me and over you is love. First Peter 5, cast all anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Isaiah 43, watch this. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned for I I'm the Lord your God. John 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus says, but why have I come? I've come that you might have life in all fullness. Guys, we could go cover to cover. But I do think it brings the lies into focus when we just stop and recognize the sheer goodness of God. The sheer heart of God over you and over me. He is for you. He cares about you. He's available to you. He sees you. He loves you. He's on your side. Church, God is on your side. Any other narrative is a lie. Anything else is a lie. He literally loves you to death. In fact, he loves you past the point of death, goes down to Hades, takes the keys, comes back so that you and I can live, breathe, move with the power of heaven on the inside. He loves you. God is on your side, whether you believe it or not. But watch this. Whether you believe it or not will make all the difference. All the difference when adversity comes, when challenges come, when trials come. So we're going to unpack this thing a little further. Um, and for that, we're going to go to the book of Daniel. Uh, we'll get there. So just for context, Nebuchadnezzar is king. And in his infinite wisdom, he's decided, I'm going to build a big gold statue. And all of you have to go and bow down to said big statue because I'm king. So do what I say. Um, anyway, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decide that they're not going to comply with the federal mandate. <clears throat> they're not going to comply. Instead, they take a stand. So anyway, they're hauled before the king, and we're going to jump in, verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them, saying, Is it true... 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve the gold image that I have set up. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, then that's good. But if you do not, then you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning furnace. And who is this God that will deliver you from my hands? You see, there it is right there. The invitation, the invitation to believe the lie that God couldn't or that God wouldn't rescue them. I'm pretty visual, so I can, I can kind of picture Nebuchadnezzar just scoffing in like arrogance. Psh, what, what God's going to save you from my hands? Hello? Church, there is always going to be a lie that attacks your belief, my belief in the goodness of God and his heart over me. Even in the Garden of Eden, the serpent comes to Eve and, and, and basically says, um, did God really say, don't eat from the forbidden tree? Well, God actually did that because he knows that you'll be able to tell good from evil and you'll become like God. You see, he actually just sold her the same thing. God is holding out on you. That's why he doesn't want you to have it. You see, he, he wants you and I to believe lies just like this, right? If you're here, and if somewhere deep down you're believing, right, in some area that God's holding out on you, maybe he's forgotten about you, that he doesn't care about your little situation, little situation, that he can't help, that he won't help, if somewhere deep down you recognize I've come into alignment with any of those lies, I want to share with you guys, that's not the heart of God over you. That's not the heart of God over you. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And remember, our faith will only carry us as far as our awareness of his goodness. So if we're going to build this faith, this resilient faith we're talking about, in the face of adversity... It starts with knowing the heart. I need to move on. Um, the second point I want to share with you tonight is it's essential that we learn to own the response, right? We have to own our response to adversity when it comes. We'll go back into Daniel. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And if that's the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, and we will not worship the gold image that you have set up. I mean, at this point, I'm just sitting back, munching on popcorn, watching the show unfold. They literally just defied the king to his face. Under threat of death. Never mind. All right. You and, I, you and I are going to face adversity. We're all there, right? But nobody is responsible for our response except for you and for me. We are responsible. We've got to own the response. And so, and so when trials come and when challenges arise, we've got to ask, are we going to be a people that lean into God? Or are we going to be the people that let those troubles pull us from God? What do we want to be? You see, when our kids, when my kids get hurt or they're in some other kind of trouble, um, their response is to run to us as their parents because they know that we're on their side. 
we're on their team. In the same way, we want to build a faith so that our response to adversity actually draws us closer to God. Some of you know this already. So I work in uh, financial services. And more specifically, I work in what we call corporate resilience. Corporate resilience. And so what that basically means is I oversee a whole bunch of teams and people and processes that work together to make my company resilient. No matter what happens, no matter what we face, business keeps going. Right? That's, that's, that's what I do for a living. And so we make sure that it keeps going no matter what we might face. Right? It could be snowstorms in the U.S. or typhoons in the Philippines or power failures or pandemics. Whatever it is. doesn't matter. Business got to keep going. Now, one of the common misconceptions is that an event equals an impact. Right? X, Y, Z has happened, and so therefore A, B, C. Right? The event equals the impact. And that might seem perfectly logical, but the reality is that the impact of an event is determined less by the event itself and more by our response. One of the reasons that I've actually been so successful in my career is that I understand it's not event equals impact. It's event plus this response that equals impact. That's how it works. And here's the thing. It's the exact same way in our lives. It's the exact same way. It's not just about what happens to us as if we're victims to the world around us. You're not a victim. I'm not a victim. No, it's, it's about how we choose to respond. You see, you and I are not under the authority of our external circumstances. We get to choose. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made their decision to own their response. They chose to trust God even though they didn't know the outcome. We know the outcome. Most of us will know the outcome. We know how it ends, but they didn't know. They chose to trust God anyway. They didn't buy the lie that they had been forsaken despite the circumstances kind of pointing in that direction. They recognized the, the, the authority of Nebuchadnezzar. They knew that he could throw them into the fire, but they also understood that they were under the authority of a greater king. They were not under the authority of their circumstances. Church, what would shift? What would shift if we actually understood what it means to be under the goodness of God, the covering of God, and carry his authority? Many of you know the story of Nebuchadnezzar. He's so furious. He's, he's, I would be. He's really mad. And so he tells his people, his soldiers, to heat up the, the furnace seven times hotter. In fact, so hot that it kills the people heating it up. It's a whole thing. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they do not flinch. Why did they not flinch? They didn't flinch because the fire that burned on the inside was so much hotter, so much brighter than the fire that burned in the furnace. You see, we are not called to cower in the shadow of the mountain that stands in our way. You and I have been anointed to speak with the full weight of heaven and tell the mountain to move. The three men, they step into the fire. They're full of faith. They're confident in the goodness of God. Uh, verse 25. Look, Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth is like the Son of God. 
I want to tell you, church, you're not alone. No matter how dark it seems, no matter how bleak the circumstances, no matter how hot the fire, church, you're not alone. God is with you. And if God is for you, shoot, who can stand against you? And you might say, you might say, but Rich, you don't understand. It doesn't feel like he cares. You might say, but Rich, it doesn't feel like anything is changing. Church, sometimes we have to grab hold of a thing by faith and let our feelings catch up afterwards. Let us be a people. Let us be a people that are formed not by how we feel, but that are fixated and focused on that which we know to be true, to be never changing, no matter the circumstances. I don't know about you guys. I don't know. But I know that I've faced troubles in the past, and I know that I'm going to face them again. But I want to build the kind of faith, the kind of faith that says, listen, devil, you may press me on every side, but I'm coming out of this thing pressed on, shaking together and flowing over. You know why? You want to know why? Because I will not tolerate anything less, anything less than God's best, God's best for my life. I will not tolerate it. Let's be those people. Marital disarray, financial turmoil, medical diagnosis. There is no obstacle that we cannot overcome with God on our side. You and I as believers, we've been marked by the glory of God and empowered to walk victoriously through the valley. Emphasis on through. It's not your destination. But we have to choose to own the response to adversity when it comes. Final point I want to share with you real quick is this. It's critical that we find the people. If you and I are going to build this come what may kind of faith, we've got to surround ourselves with the right people. I've read this story so many times, and I'm convinced that they did not look at the furnace that they were about to get tossed into. I'm convinced that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at each other And they give themselves, they give each other faith and courage to stand fast. You see, they had surrounded themselves with the right people. Side note, they had surrounded themselves with the right people before the adversity. They had surrounded themselves with men of faith. They had surrounded themselves with men of conviction, men of principle. If you and I are going to develop the kind of faith that holds fast, we got to surround ourselves with the right people. That's why as a church we make such a big deal about connect groups. We do life better when we do life together. This is why it's a priority in my life to get up at 5.30 on a Tuesday morning and get myself to man's prayer. Is it because I enjoy getting up early? No. It's because I know that I need to surround myself with men of faith. It's because I know I need to stand shoulder to shoulder with men with their hearts on fire for God. I need what they carry. Oh. 
All right, can I be vulnerable? It's just us, right? Don't tell anyone. So, when Ruth and I first moved to Salt Lake City from London, we moved here without knowing anyone at all. We'd been married almost two years when we got here and Ruth, uh, Ruth fell pregnant. Um, we'd been here two years, but we had left our church and our community and our friends behind us. And we made this transition, no church, no friends, no community. She gets pregnant. We are so, so pumped to be parents. Like, ha. Huh. In fact, embarrassing side note, this is true. Uh, Ruth tells me, <laughs> Ruth comes out of the bathroom and tells me, hey, by the way, we're pregnant. I'm so excited. I leapt out of bed, tripped on the bed sheets, right onto the floor. <laughs> Unfortunate, but true. Not pause for compassion. So anyway, so we're soon tracking the baby's development online. We're asking Alexa every single day, like, how big's the baby? And then there's all these weird fruits. It's the whole thing. We're so excited and we're just getting more and more excited until one afternoon I get the call. I'm at work and she says, hey, we had a miscarriage. And so we were broken. We were broken. And so you fast forward six more months, maybe eight more months, we have a second miscarriage. It was hard. It was really hard. Honestly, it's probably one of the most difficult seasons in my life, certainly one of the most challenging chapters in our, in our marriage. And uh, there we were, right, clinging to our belief in the goodness of God, not knowing if we'd ever have children. We rebuked the lies of the enemy, right? That God has forsaken you. God does not care and nothing is gonna change. We stood firm in our faith and we continued to believe regardless of the circumstances. And you might say, two miscarriages. How do you believe in the goodness of God? You might say, he didn't come through for you. Listen, it was hard. It was really, really hard. But even in our darkest days, there was another in the fire standing right there. And at no time were we alone. So how do we believe? How do we believe? There's two ways, two reasons we held fast. One is we understood that we are at war. And there's an enemy that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. And secondly, I still don't understand why we lost two children. But I am not prepared to sacrifice the goodness of God on the altar of my need to understand. I'm just not going to do it. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And he can take my questions. Today we have the most beautiful little girls and they're amazing. But one of the primary things, church, that made that season so difficult was that we didn't have our people. 
we didn't have our people. We had just moved to a new city and a new state and a new country. We didn't have armor bearers, right? We didn't have a community of faith to process with or to pray with. We didn't have people to hold our arms above the battle. We didn't have people to speak courage and life in faith. We had unintentionally isolated ourselves when we moved here. And how many of you know that lies just get louder in isolation? They just get louder. Even in the natural, uh, we all, we've all heard the expression that there's strength in numbers in church. The same holds true in the kingdom. All of us face battles and we need each other. This is why we place such an emphasis on kingdom, community, on doing life together. There's something powerful in doing life with people of faith, people to run the race with you. Let me ask you this. Who have you surrounded yourself with? Who's standing with you in the midst of your storm? Or who are you standing with? Who are you speaking life over? Who's filling you with courage? Who's believing shoulder to shoulder with you? If we're gonna overcome the obstacles that come our way, it's imperative that we find the people. We gotta find the people. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're gonna bring this thing into land. to speak tonight to two different groups of people if you want to build this faith it all starts with getting our heart right with Jesus that's that's where it all starts and so if you're here tonight and you don't yet know what it is to walk out this life with him or perhaps you did once and maybe you've walked away from that path if you're here and maybe you've recognized that tonight for the first time He's on my side. Like he's for me. If that's you and you want to recommit your life to Jesus, every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm just going to ask you guys. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to raise a hand just so that I know who to be praying with. Every head bowed, every eye closed on the count of three. One. Friend, God loves you. Two, your life will never be the same. Three, all across this room, just raise your hand up just so I know who I'm praying with. Beautiful, beautiful. I see your hand. I see those hands. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's pray this together. Everybody in the room, let's just pray this together. Lord Jesus, come on, we can dig deep here. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Today I repent and I turn my life to you. Today I choose to follow you with all of my heart. And I invite you to come into my heart, to live for you all the days of my life. Thank you that you walk with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give these beautiful people a round of applause? I'm so proud of you guys. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask you 
My good friend Ted is over here just to meet with a response team in the back after service. They're gonna try and simply connect with you, get some resources to you and help you with your, with your kind of next steps. But we're not done, church. I, I wanna speak to a second group tonight. And that's those that might be actually in the middle of a battle, right in the middle of it. Perhaps you're suffering from the placebo effect. Perhaps you recognize that at some point you've come into alignment with a lie. God has forsaken you, that he doesn't care, that he can't help, that he won't help, that you're never coming out of the valley. Perhaps you're here and somewhere deep down you recognize that you've slowly over time find yourself with this little belief deep down there. God's holding out on you that God has forgotten, that God is too busy. Perhaps you're in the middle of your own storm. And I'm not gonna pretend that I know what it is. I don't. It could be in your work. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your finances, your health. But if that's you, then on the kind of three, I wanna invite you just to raise up a hand, just real quick, just be brave. Just so I know who I'm praying with. Every head bowed, every eye closed. One, two, Three, all across this room. Wow. Wow. I'm going to invite the ministry team to the front. And if you raise the hand tonight, I'm going to invite you to come forward for prayer. And even, even if we didn't, even if you didn't raise a hand, let's lean into what God's doing tonight. Maybe, maybe you actually just need a fresh touch of grace for the season you're in for the circumstances you're facing. Maybe you just need a fresh touch of grace. But let's not leave here the same way we came in. Let's cultivate a come what may faith so that we can stand fast. Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that you are a good, good God. Thank you that you are on our side, that you're working in all things for our good. Thank you that you stand with us in the midst of the fire. And right now, God, in this moment, in this place, we stand against the lies of the enemy and we break any agreement we have made with those lies where there is fear or hopelessness. God, we prophesy faith. We declare hope and we recognize, God, that in you we are more than conquerors. Tonight we stand in faith and we, in, we step into this, this life of fullness. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.